The world seemed to shut down for a while when COVID first came on the scene in 2020. But one industry that saw a bang in business was real estate. It seems if you didn't improve your home in 2020, you were ready for a new one. And 2021 is shaping up to be the same way. Tiny house supply and mansion size demand is leading the greater Atlanta area housing market. Realtor Angie Poncel is here to talk more about the trends for the year and offer advice. Hey, Angie. Hey, how are you? Doing great. So I I just want to really get started on this because there's so much to cover. Do you think right now in the market we're in is a better time to rent or to own? I think it's a better, I always think it's a better time to own. Now, with one caveat, if you think you're moving in the next year or two, less than five maybe, then maybe it's not a good time to own because prices are at an all-time high and I can't, I don't have a crystal ball to predict, are you going to get the same money that you paid for in a bidding war in two years? We think things are going to stabilize and stay the same, but that would be the only, that would be my only advice. If you're not going to be stable in Atlanta, in this area for over two years, then you may want to consider renting. Okay, that's great advice. So what would you say is the hottest price range in the market right now? Where I am in Sandy Springs, I can tell you anything under a million is hot, 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 because there's not a lot of it. Okay. Um, And I would say Metro Atlanta, anything around 500 is hot. But prices have all risen due to buyer demand. Right. and that's, you know, that's driven everything up. Sure. So what do you think those buyers in that price range, because it covers a wide swath there, I, I realize that, but what do you think buyers are looking for right now outside of the idea of, I just want something new, like moving beyond that whole idea of being uh, stuck at home for a year and like, no, nah, I'm tired of this house. I want something different. What What specific kind of styles or trends are your buyers looking for right now? Outdoor space is huge. Uh, you almost have to have something. It, uh, pools are huge because of COVID. And, you know, I can't imagine that's not going to wane a little bit once things open back up. But a house with a pool is, it gets multiple offers no matter what the inside looks like. But on top of that, outdoor space just in and of itself. Screen porches, nice decks, places to hang out outside, um, fire pit, anything like that is huge for buyers. Okay. And and when you say outdoor space, and, and I know you're talking specifically for single homes, but is that also a uh, opportunity for uh, community subdivisions if they have a pool or a tennis court or that kind of outdoor space, is that also what you're viewing as a positive for potential buyers? Absolutely. Because uh, those tend to be, those smaller community spaces tend to be open and you've got less traffic in them than if you had to go join another like city type space. 
Um, if you've got a swim tennis community, those are those are very hot as well. Okay. If I were out looking for a home right now, what do you think is something that a buyer might overlook that's pretty common that they might not that they forget to consider? God, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, let me think about that. I think one thing that buyers today, they all want a house that's done, that's renovated. They don't have to do anything to. And one thing they overlook is that's great, but what what's the neighborhood? What are your neighbors like? That's far more important to your happiness in a home than the home itself is the people you're surrounded by. And I've seen a lot of buyers go on a busy road, not be in a subdivision, do things like that just to get that perfect looking house for Instagram. (laughs) And yet they forget that the neighborhood's what makes you happy. The people you're surrounded by is, is what really makes you happy. It's not the, it's not the house itself that you're in. Sure. So how do you suggest buyers find out that information more about their neighbors? Is there anything specific they could do? Well, I think I've always told to my clients, if you want to get to know a neighborhood, go walk it on a weekend. Go go to the neighborhood, park your car, and take a walk around the neighborhood. You're going to see the neighbors out and about. Are they friendly? You know, are they, do they exercise? Are they all out walking? Do they have dogs? Do they have kids? You're going to see all that if you get out and walk the neighborhood. Okay. And are you offering any advice for people who currently have a home and want to sell it and then are trying to find something? Are you finding that a lot of people are trying to find something bigger or are they downsizing in your clientele? Well, it's both. I have a lot of clients who are looking for bigger I have some clients that are looking for not necessarily bigger space, but better outdoor space because they don't have good outdoor space, especially if they're now working from home. They'd like to be able to sit on the porch or sit on a deck and work on their laptop. Um, It just depends on who they are, but most people are looking for better space that it's the now working part-time from home. Even though I know a lot of people are starting to go back to work, I still think there's going to be that flex time. And so they want to make sure that they've got a designated office and they're not just working in the dining room or in the kitchen. Right. Yeah, that's that's where the kids were having to work when uh, school was closed for a while for us last year. It was bedrooms and dining room table or wherever we could get Wi-Fi signal. (laughs) Well, you're exactly right. And that's what everybody was doing, especially with everybody home. When you had kids home at school, both parents are home working. I mean, there's not enough spaces for everybody to spread out. And I think that's, that's more of what people are looking for. It used to be, I want the bedrooms and baths. Now people are more focused on what's the other space. Is he going to be able to have an office? Am I going to be able to have an office? Are the kids going to be able to have a place to work in case we ever go through this again. (laughs) Right. Which hopefully we don't. Uh, I'm with you. Hopefully we will not. Well, that's, that's all great information. And what going back to the, the styles thing from that standpoint, you know, are when people are looking for brand new, like done, done houses, or even if they're like, Oh, I see an opportunity here to fix this up. What kind of trends are you seeing from a design 
style uh, from your buyers that they're looking for or wanting to do down the road? Well, we still have the white kitchens. They're still popular, but a lot of them are moving more toward uh, painted cabinets, whether it's the grays or the blues or the greens. A lot of um, cabinets are being in the green family now, whereas before it was all gray and white. Um, We're seeing a lot more color. It used to be all gray uh, and white, but now I'm seeing color being reintroduced. And, uh, and that's an opportunity I should mention. I know with interest rates being low, find a house that's completely done is easy. You can just come in and move your, move your luggage, sure. so to speak. But getting the house that maybe some of it's been done, but not all of it has been done. It's a great missed opportunity in this market right now because those houses aren't overpriced. And in fact, those people are taking a hit because their house isn't completely done. And that's a great opportunity for buyers to get into a good neighborhood or get into an area that they didn't think they could. Yeah, that's that's great information because, you know, I assumed that inflation was carrying prices for everything. But if you're seeing some of those opportunities for people to just do a little bit of work, that could go a long way down the road. I mean, why not take advantage of that? And then you get the opportunity to make it your own. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's what I did. And it paid off in the long run. And we're still doing it 20 years later, which is why people want finished homes. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, there is something to be said for, you know, move in ready, as they say. Well, so Angie, let's let's back up a little bit and talk about you getting into realty. So when did you get into realty first off? Um, It was 2001. I was in. So I had a very varied career. I was in corporate wellness and moved into medical sales from there with Johnson and Johnson. And I was working full-time traveling and wanted to go part-time. And then the company I was with got bought out and uh, they ended up, you know, letting all of us go. So I had a year, I had babies and I had a year to think about it. And I was complaining about the agent next door to us about what a crappy job they did. And if they were in real sales, they would never have lasted. You know, um, they just stuck a sign in the yard. And anyway, my girlfriend who was in commercial real estate at the time said, well, put your money where your mouth is, go get your license. And I said, well, I will. And so I kind of on a dare went and got my license because I figured I'm not doing anything else. And I need, I'm the kind of person that needs something. You know what I found out? Medical sales is a very solitary job because you're by yourself most of the day. Okay. And my background before corporate wellness was psychology. So I loved helping people. Sure. And being in sales and real estate is a perfect marriage of that. Because you do deal with a lot of personalities within the same family, and a lot of different, um, a lot of different opinions. And being the middle child, I'm used to negotiating and merging everybody's ideas. So it's Uh you know it's a perfect fit. I've been doing it for 20 years. I absolutely love it. It's different all the time because the market's always changing. I've never been in this market. Um, when we were in the market of 2009, never been in that market. And you learned a lot about short sales. 
I didn't even know what a short sale was before that. Mm-hmm. So there's always something to learn, no matter how many years you've been in state, because it's constantly changing. And um, now I'm doing a little bit of commercial real estate on top of my residential. Okay. And what made you want to start considering commercial real estate? I, I call it my retirement plan. And the only reason I call it that is because it's easier to keep doing commercial because uh, you, you're not tied to the weekends as like you are in residential. I do love, though, the relationships I develop in residential. And I love helping my clients and getting to know them and getting families. So that's probably why I'll never truly give up residential. But my husband builds self-storage and I was helping him on a couple of projects. And that's kind of how I fell into commercial. Well, that makes sense. Um, and and I think you brought up a great point um, talking about schedules and that kind of thing, because, you know, there's to your point, there's a lot of opportunity for realtors right now for uh, home buyers and that kind of thing. And if you are considering a change in careers and saying, I want to take advantage of this market and potentially get into realty, what advice would you offer to somebody that's never done realty before or doesn't necessarily know a whole lot about what it takes to be in the industry? I would tell them to call somebody. They're welcome to call me. And I will be completely bluntly honest about it. I think the number one thing that most people don't realize when they get into this industry is you are, you're opening up your own business. There's nobody give you a paycheck. You're not going to get handed clients. I mean, you're opening up your own business and you need to be able to have enough money to start that business. It is now, it is the cheapest job that you can get into and make unlimited money. It doesn't take a lot state, but it, it takes some money to get your clients and get it going. Okay. So I know that you're a, you work with Keller Williams, so you're kind of under that umbrella, but you're kind of saying that just because you're with a particular, you're fine. So just because you're under a, a realty company, that doesn't mean that they're handing you clients. No, I'm an independent contractor with Keller Williams and now you, some companies may tell you they're going to provide leads, but I don't know of any company that gives you your clients, that gives you leads. That's up to you to lead generate and get on your own. And that's, you know, you've got to be self-disciplined. You've got to get up every day and realize that you eat what you kill. And if you don't kill anything, you're not going to eat anything. Right. So, you know, you've got to get up and make the phone calls and, Get out there and let everybody know you're in real estate, and it's constant. Um, it, it's a constant battle to stay top of mind, and that's one thing. I, I don't think there's any realtor out there that would say, "I would love not to have to lead generate anymore." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's fun once you get into it, but you do have to time block and make phone calls and send postcards and send emails and it doesn't all have to be um, it doesn't all have to cost money, but it has to be consistent. And, and anybody who starts their own company will tell you it takes 18 months on average to get your company running 
and, you know, going on its own. That's not to say you won't make money before then, but you have to stay the course. I think 85% of them start and get out of the business because they don't realize that how, how hard it is, how much it takes to get a steady business going. Yeah. I think there was a, a study a few years ago that said just entrepreneurs in general within the first year, you know, half of them have already failed. And I think it speaks to your uh, reasoning right there is people don't understand the undertaking it is to get a business off the ground, promoted, and then become successful. Yes. Cause you, I mean, it's consistency and follow up and that's hard. Right. I mean, it's hard to do. So what are your, in that vein, because again, it boils down to building relationships with people. So what is your favorite thing to do for your clients as far as just a nice little thank you or I appreciate you being there? Like what is your kind of go-to for those type of uh, thank yous or appreciation things for your clients? Um, well, I like to do, and this has hurt me during COVID because I like to be to do events, to be in my client's face, (laughs) so to speak. So I had to learn how to do a different kind of lead generation during COVID. And I had to make more phone calls. But for instance, for my neighborhood, when the kids get out of school, I do a Kona Ice event that's free for all of them. They can just come, get a Kona Ice and and everybody can talk and see each other and socialize. And I actually did it last year during COVID. And it was amazing how many people came because they were just dying to have some social interaction. Um, those kind of things. I've got a colleague who she does pies in for Thanksgiving. Um, she gives all her clients a pie to come by and get a pie. And it's gotten so big that she really to do it. So there's all kind of things that people do. Some people do client events at a brewery or um, 5K runs. It just, what I would say is anything you do needs to be authentic to you. It needs to be something that you would normally want to do or enjoy doing because you're not going to keep it up if you don't enjoy doing it. That also kind of speaks to just you being a member of the community, right? Because you're not just like with the Kona Ice thing. That's not just you doing it for your clients. You're doing that for your immediate community, too. So, right. So, it, it, I mean, you don't have to be my client to come. Right. Um, <laughs> in fact, you know, and everybody has, gosh, especially in Atlanta, you got at least three or four agents that you know. And it's, it's just staying top of mind and using the agent that you think will best help you with that house in that community. So I imagine you're using social media quite a bit. I know you've been doing some YouTube videos uh, fairly recently. Are you seeing any traction uh, for those types of things? Or is it you're still getting more bang for your buck out of your uh, email generation and your phone calls and just kind of meetings in general? Well, so... I am doing social media. I have started the YouTube videos and that's something I haven't been as consistent with recently because I added a partner and we're getting ready to start that back up. And I have seen some momentum on that. That having said that though, I am um, 
I'm not a natural social media person, so it takes scheduling it, remembering to update social media. Um, and it, it probably, you know, because of my age, I know there's a lot of people in, that do a lot of social media, um, but I know plenty of people making their entire living off Instagram. I am not. I am more face-to-face, like garden club, book club, social club, wine club, that kind of thing. Um, sorry, my dog is yelling at something. Um, but I have gained more momentum through social media because that's that's the way of the world. And that doesn't cost anything either. Right. Instagram seems like a place that real estate could just thrive because you're standing in front of a house with a happy client or, you know, this house just sold. Look how pretty this one is. It's very, you know, photogenic sort of opportunities. And I didn't know if that was uh, something that's been part of your campaigns or if you're going to introduce that or if you found any success doing that. So I haven't done a lot of Instagram, but it does. I do think you can be successful showing people what you what your clients have bought and the successes they've had. But here is one piece of advice I got about that, which I thought was very smart. Uh, the guy who was doing a lot of social media said, be careful if all you're doing is this sold, that sold. Because if you have a dry spell, then everybody's going to know you hadn't done anything. So you got to make sure that your posts are maybe more related to look at this, look at this kitchen versus this kitchen, you know, and intersperse your clients in there, but not necessarily make it all about just sold listings. Right. Well, and I think that speaks to the larger game in itself is that doing this sold, that sold is more of a look at what I did as opposed to what he's talking about, which is this kitchen to this kitchen. What do you like? What do you want to look for when you're work, potentially working with me kind of thing? Right. Cause I can tell you, I mean, the agents who just post, I just got this listing. This just sold that that's a, and I am an agent, but I'm not really interested in that. And you, you notice with the likes, they don't get near as many likes on that is if they did something that people may actually be interested in that has nothing to do with the agent. Um, but it still reminds you that they are an agent and help you buy or sell your home. But it ha- I feel like it has to be in a way that's more about the consumer and less about the agent. Right. I think you bring up a, a great point there in that, Okay, someone has a, and these are, this is a hypothetical here, but someone approaches you that they want to sell their home and they want you to be the, the selling agent of their home. Right. Is there a situation where you're like, this isn't ready to sell or I'm not going to take this on as your agent? Please, you know, that they would want to go look for someone else. Is there anything that you would turn down? Well, if it's outside of my geographical area. For instance, I have a client I'm working with. He, um, he flips homes and he's looking all over Atlanta. And we did a house that was an hour from here and I did it, but I told him, I said, you know, if you do another one in this area, I don't think I'm the right agent for it. 
I did a, you know, I did a great job, but it took a lot of my time and I just don't think it's a win-win for us. And that is how I look at it. I mean, I will go into a listing presentation and ask people, my husband will say, I taught myself out of more money than anybody else. He knows. I go in and I, my first question is, why do you want to move? And I've had a lot of clients who, after I brought the stager in or brought an architect in and we did the numbers, they realized it really wasn't the house they were in. It was just how they had it set up or it was a couple of tweaks and they would love their house. So, and if they wanted to stay in the area, would moving solve that? Because I've had a couple of clients who I kept saying, I think you need to stay and just add on, renovate, whatever. And they moved and they regretted it. Because if you're in, you know, if you're in one area and you're moving up a hundred thousand, you might get a totally different house. If you're in Sandy Springs Buckhead and you're moving up a hundred thousand, you're really not going to get a different house. So sometimes it's not worth you doing all of that. And it's, it's much better to stay and renovate. So you're feeling like, you know, in certain areas, go ahead and make that improvement to your home, even though prices for supplies and things are up right now, it still may be worth it to just renovate your own home rather than move. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause you're, you're always going to have a market for a finished product, especially, I don't think that's going to change either. With HGTV, I mean, when I bought 20 years ago, that wasn't a big thing. Everybody bought a fixer-upper. I mean, that's what you did. You bought a house that you fixed up. But now nobody wants a fixer-upper unless a professional's doing it and flipping it or that's, that's your thing. And it's not as prevalent as it used to be. Okay. Yeah, that's it's really interesting. I'm sure you've seen a lot of, uh, as you've said, uh, trends change in the last 20 years or so being in realty. Um, and that's got to keep it fresh for you. Cause I know like for the last several years talking about HGTV, you know, you had the modern farmhouse look was really, really big for several years. Thanks to a couple of particular shows on that network. And yeah. Are you, so outside of the outdoor space, what would you say are sort of those trends right now? Is it still modern farmhouse look or are people looking beyond that? I know you said the colors have shifted a little bit, but what about some of the other like quote unquote styles do you think are starting to come back or have never been around and it's new? I still think open floor plan is um, something that everybody wants. Um, I don't think that'll go away either. Even though it wasn't a trend years ago, now it is definitely a trend that I think is here to stay. The den open to the kitchen. And, uh, and you know, a lot of people want a bathroom for every kid. I don't know what they're going to do when they go to college. <laughs> they're not going to know how to share. And that is what the real estate agents say. They're, you know, that's a trend that needs to probably go away because you're not helping these kids. But if you think about it, when I went through college, it was a hall bathroom. There was no such thing as, and you know, every three of us shared a bathroom growing up. Now you can share a bathroom, but most people would rather 
have every kid have their own bathroom and all the colleges are building those suites where four of you share a bathroom and you know the whole baths are kind of going away so i guess it's just you know the trend of where where everything's going right yeah it's it's always interesting for me to kind of see where things are going and where they came from and and all that and i want to go back a little bit in time i guess and ask you you know, because since you started in 01, you lived through that housing crash and worked through that in the 08, 09 timeframe. And what do you think helped you get through that? Because I'm sure housing sales plummeted, prices absolutely plummeted. So how were you able to kind of manage that situation and still want to stay in realty? <laughs> well, it was tough. I can tell you a lot of people got out of the business. A lot of builders got out of the business. They didn't have a stomach for it. Um, I think for me, just because of my personality, I love change. I didn't love that market. Let me be very clear. I didn't love the market, but I'm very adaptable. So those of us who stayed in the business learned how to do short sales. We learned you know, how to shift our business, do a lot of rentals, anything to keep our business afloat. And in fact, Gary Keller came out with the book shift because it was a time to shift your business. And it is really true. And you, the lesson I think everybody took home during that time was yes, you can put yourself in a market. Like I do, let's say an agent specializes in Woodstock, but don't, don't, put all your eggs in one basket on price range because during that time, the high end homes weren't moving for years, <laughs> you know? Um, so it just reminds you that you need to stay versatile. And I, would I want to go through that market again? Absolutely not. There was one year. I don't think I made $10,000. It was awful. And because my husband's also in commercial building, it was, it was tough. Luckily for us though, we live in a ranch that we bought very cheaply way back when, and we paid cash for our renovations when we did them, which is why we still have renovations to do. And that's what I always tell my buyers, buy less than you can afford because you never know what's going to come down your way. You never know if you're going to have a kid that has special needs and you need to quit your job or one of you needs to quit your job or, you know, you're in a car accident and you're unable to work, just buy below your means. So you don't in a catastrophe have to also move. Cause I saw a lot of that people lost their homes and had to move and move into a rental or, you know, and that on top of going through something like that, you don't want to have to, move in your house as well. Right. Yeah, it was, um, you know, we, my wife and I at the time in North Carolina, we were able to take advantage of that market and get into yeah. a home that we otherwise couldn't afford. Um, and then, but turning around when we had to sell it and move to Georgia, we didn't really come out because the market had not recovered at that point. And right. so it didn't really matter. So w- we are of the mindset where, 
you know, you're better off just enjoying what you have rather than just moving because you don't you don't buy a house to make a profit on it down the road. Or at least from our perspective, we buy a house to live in it and enjoy it and make it what we want. And I don't know. And I think that is something that's what got us all into trouble to begin with, because prices were going up so fast. Everybody was buying real estate and then selling it to make the profit. And I think we've come back to buy a house that you want to live in and enjoy that you can at least get your money out of when you move, but don't depend on it to make you money. Right. Yeah. It And, but to that point, do you feel like prices are headed that way again right now? Well, I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think that what got us in trouble back then was the interest only loans where you could buy a house for nothing down. You only paid interest. So you had no skin in the game. But now, you know, we're, I don't think we're going to be in that position, but prices are going up to where if you're thinking about moving in the next year or two, this year may be the year you should move to get the most value out of your house. And I've seen that a lot is people who weren't thinking of selling, but, or at least not this year, decided I'm going to go ahead and sell because the market's so hot and I might can get an extra 50,000 out of my house. Why not? Right. Yeah. It's, it's so amazing to me that people are willing to sell right now. I'm like, but you're, if you're looking for same size house or bigger, you're going to be paying that much more. Exactly. (laughs) So that's, you know, and, and then the other part of that too, is if you're thinking you'll rent rents at an all time high too. So I would advise anybody who's thinking about selling their house to really put some thought into what you're going to do. Are you going to rent? Is it? I've seen people who sold their homes before the kids graduated from high school because they wanted to go ahead and get that money out only to discover that they were paying twice their mortgage and rent and they should have just stayed in their house. <laughs> so it, you know, it pays to really look at what am I buying if I do sell my house, what if, what are my options to buy or, or rent? And does it make sense to sell? Even though it's a great market, it may not, once you do all your numbers, really make sense for you to sell right now because you're just going to spend more money, like you said, in buying something. So that's a wash unless you really want to move to get a different kind of home or you're going to pay far more in rent than just staying in your house and paying your mortgage. Well, and I think you brought up, you know, another great point. What do you suggest? Let me see if I can word this correctly. Okay. Say I decide that I want to sell my home. What's the first step that I need to do from a research standpoint to find out if it's worth it? I would, I would call a local realtor. And I would have them come to your house and tell you what they think you can sell and what's realistic. And is it worth the money to sell now? Is it if a lot of people who have second homes are selling now because they've already got a place to live and they can move out of Atlanta and work there until they figure something out. I mean, I've got one client house, they have a second home and they're just going to rent an apartment while he's working here 
for the next six months. And then he's permanently going to be out of Atlanta. Um, that's why a lot of people are selling because they now have the option to live anywhere they want to. So that's what I would say, especially if you're leaving a place like Atlanta that can be pricey and you're moving to somewhere else that's not near as pricey. Um, it may be a great time to sell, even if you're overpaying wherever you're moving. So on the on the on the flip side of that, when you saying, you know, call an agent and have them come look at your home and tell you whether or not it's time to sell. How do you know if that agent is somebody you should work with or stay away from? Because let's be honest. I mean, the market's hot right now and there may be realtors out there that will take anything and everything and tell you sell it now because they're looking for a paycheck too. So how would you tell a potential realtor client whether or not they should choose that particular realtor? That's a good question. And I think at the end of the day, it's a gut call. But if you've ever worked with them before and know what they've done, that helps. If you haven't, I'd look at what have they done? What have they sold recently? And did they get less price? And or did they overprice it and did it have to come down? Because we've seen houses having to be reduced now because they're just totally unrealistic. And, and I think that's kind of where we are is at the top of that little hill. And I think we're going to stabilize after this. But I think you got to do your homework with a real estate agent. Look at what they're doing on social media. See if you can find somebody they've worked with before and can if you know them or know somebody who knows them, I mean, it's like a job interview because it is a job that they're interviewing for and you should treat it as such. I mean, most people will hire the first agent that they interview. I mean, I don't know if that's right or wrong. I'm just, you know, I just think I am interviewing for a job when I come to talk to you about your house and I take it seriously. And it's a lot of money that you're paying your real estate agent. So you should make sure that they're good at what they do and they're going to put your best interests first, not just the commission. Sure, <laughs> right. I mean, that's what you're always hope, hoping for. But right. it, it comes back to that relationship thing. You've got to have some kind of relationship and understanding that, yes, this is purely transactional. And if you're okay with that, be okay with that. But if you're not, you need to look for uh, a, a different type of relationship with your realtor. Yeah, the good agents, those of us who have weathered the storms, we're in it for a lifetime. So we don't feel the everybody, yes, you should sell and, and price it high. Some people, I have said, I know it's a great market, but where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> Stay in your house. What are you doing? Right. But, you know, it's a conversation. It's a consultation. It's not a, I'm going to come in and list your house. I walk into it with, I'm not sure what we're going to do here. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about your goals and and what you, what you're looking to do here. Well, Angie, you've provided a ton of information in this podcast, and I really appreciate you being a guest today. Real quickly, I want to give you an opportunity to let people find you. So, if they're looking for Angie Poncel, uh, where can they find you? Websites, phone numbers a YouTube channel, uh, any of that information you want to pass along, please feel free to do that. Um, PoncelLuxuryGroup.com. You can find me there. My cell phone, 404-226-2002. 
you can find me there. <laughs> Angie Poncel at kw.com is my email. Um, um, I think if you type in Angie Poncel, I am the only female Poncel in Atlanta. You should be able to find me. That's fantastic. And then, you know, they're going to be looking for more YouTube videos from you. Oh, I'm, well, we're coming out. Um, my my sister-in-law, Shannon Poncel, she's now Parkerson. She has joined my team and we've launched the Poncel Luxury Group. So we are starting our YouTube videos on all of Atlanta, not just Sandy Springs, but she's in Buckhead and we're all over the place now. So we'll be launching some YouTube videos to give you some insights in different neighborhoods in and around Atlanta. Wow, that's great information to have. Yeah, like the Beltline, what's going on there? Um, you know, what kind of communities can you find down there? Smyrna's a hot little pocket. Downtown Woodstock. I mean, Milton is hot. I mean, there's a lot of great areas in and around Atlanta. And they all offer very different living opportunities as well. Absolutely. And it just depends on your and what, you know, I used to say proximity to work. Well, now you might have the opportunity to live where your people are, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, no, that, yeah, it totally makes sense. Cause when we first moved to the greater Atlanta area, it was about proximity to my wife's work uh, right? because, you know, traffic pre COVID was insane. Um, and it would take her, you know, 45 minutes to go nine miles. Right. So a lot of that has shifted now and it's really going to be interesting to see long-term if it stays down because the commute is not as bad OTP outside the perimeter, I would think, as it used to be. I'm sure there's, you know, 485 and stuff like that. That's I don't really see that changing. Um, but, you know, locally on the back roads and where people live and driving to work, I think it's it's I hope it's going to stay a little different now. It makes life a little bit easier. Right. No, I agree. And I think, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of flex time that you can go in and you go in three days, stay home two days. You can go in different hours um, to avoid the traffic. So, I, you know, I think as bad as the pandemic was, the good thing that came out of it was now people can have some flexible time and work from home. Um, and I think that, you know, there's always a silver lining, right? Sure, and I think absolutely. that might be the silver lining. Right. All right, Angie. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I appreciate you being here and good luck with the big summer sales season. I'm, I know this is a hot time in the market every year, COVID or not. So uh, just good luck with staying busy. Well, thank you, Stephen. I appreciate it. Be sure to subscribe to the Sound of Southern Charm podcast to hear the other guests I have coming up. If you'd like more information, you can email me at stephen at stephengeorgevo.com. Thanks for listening.